Backdoor Roths. Frequently discussed, but often misunderstood. Don't worry, though, because I'm about to make sense of it in this, the sixth episode of the Retirement Planning Education Podcast. Welcome to the Retirement Planning Education Podcast, where you can learn all about IRAs and Roth IRAs, employer retirement plans, taxes, Social Security, Medicare, Portfolio Withdrawal Strategies, Annuities, Estate Planning, and much more. And now here's your host, Andy Panko. Hi, welcome everyone. So let's talk about backdoor Roths today. Discussed a lot, often not quite accurately described or understood, so we'll uh, we'll go through it all today. Now, I just want to clarify something, um, the word backdoor is often said as backdoor Roth conversion. It is not. It is technically a backdoor Roth contribution. So I'll I'll discuss that and explain why that's the case, but I just wanted to get that out of the way first. The the proper wording for this is a backdoor Roth contribution is how to say it. So before I really get into it, I just want to mention it's a often talked about strategy. It's It's a fairly popular strategy, especially lately. There's lots of buzz about it. And one of the reasons is it is in the crosshairs of legislators to potentially undo it. The Build Back Better Act, as of late uh, 2021, was hot and heavy about uh, getting rid of the ability to do this backdoor Roth contribution process. Well, the the legislation sort of died on the vine at the 11th minute uh, or 11th hour to be determined if and when it gets resurrected. You know, here in early 2022, uh, don't yet know if the Build Back Better Act is going to get pumped up and uh, come back to life, or if it does, if this provision that's looking to kill the ability to do a backdoor Roth contribution, if that stays in the legislation or if it gets cut out. So so who knows? For the time being, it's still allowed, uh, but to be determined if and when it, uh, it gets nixed. So what it is essentially is it's a way to get money into a Roth IRA if your income is too high, such that it prohibits you from being able to directly contribute into that Roth IRA. There's not anything technically called a front door Roth contribution, but if there was, it would be that. It would be simply your income is low enough that you're allowed to directly put money uh, straight away into, into a Roth IRA. If you can't, because your income's too high, you may possibly be able to get money into the Roth IRA through the back door as opposed to the front door. So that, that's what today's discussion is all about. Related to that is also something called a mega backdoor uh, Roth, which which I'll mention, and that involves having an employer plan like a 401k, 403b, et cetera. Before we get into all that, though, let, let's first map out a, a clear baseline for understanding the different types of accounts. Now, the, these account types are not investments in and of themselves. They're account types, specifically account types that have their own special tax implications. So I assume most of you are at least loosely familiar with a regular brokerage account. You put money in, the money you put in has already been taxed because it was from earnings or savings or whatever, but the point was you were already taxed on that money. You put the money in, you buy stuff with it, stocks, bonds, cash, whatever. Um, you, you are taxed, potentially taxed on any gains or interest or earnings you make, but you're not taxed on the ultimate uh, sale or removal of your money that you initially put in. It's just, again, the gains that you're potentially taxed on. So that's a regular brokerage. Then there's tax deferred accounts. These are accounts where the money you put in initially, your your original contributions, um, can typically get you a a tax deduction in that year at that time. 
Now, it's not you're not getting rid of tax. You're simply deferring it, which is why these are called tax deferred accounts. You're, you're just kicking the can down the road to realize the taxability of that income uh, later. So when you get typically you get a, you know, a bit of a tax savings up front. Again, you're just kicking it down the road. You're not really getting rid of tax. But nonetheless, you get a bit of a tax savings up front. The money that's in there as it grows, you're, you're not taxed on any of those interest earnings along the way. And then whenever you take money out, that's when you pay the tax. Uh, generally speaking, your tax on every cent, you know, every dollar you take out is taxed as ordinary income because some of that money is going to be your original contributions, which weren't taxed, and the earnings thereon, which additionally weren't taxed. So when it comes out, that's when you pay tax. Uh, just a few other quick notes. If you take the money out before 59 and a half from, from tax deferred accounts, there is, uh, in most cases, there's a 10% penalty in addition to the tax you have to pay. So samples of these accounts are traditional IRAs, individual retirement accounts is what IRA stands for. Uh, a 401k, you know, employer plan, a 403b, TSP, which is a federal thrift savings plan. It's the, it's the 401k equivalent for federal employees. So those are tax deferred accounts. And then on, on the opposite end of the spectrum are, are Roth accounts. The taxability of these is basically flip-flopped from what tax deferred accounts are. You do not get any sort of uh, upfront tax savings or deductions. The monies you put in are already have already been taxed. Just like when you put money into a savings account or a brokerage account, there's no tax savings. You're using after-tax money to put into the account. While the money's in there, as it's invested, as it's growing, as it's earning interest or dividends or capital gains or whatever, there, there's no tax on that money while it stays inside the account. The, the tax is simply uh, potentially deferred or ultimately not taxed at all, which is the real benefit of it. And that brings me to the next point. Your eventual withdrawals from Roth accounts uh, sh generally shouldn't be taxed at all. Now, there's a few provisions. There's, there's a few uh, uh, qualifying conditions you need to meet for all of your uh, distributions to eventually be tax and penalty free. The, the two most common are your first Roth account was funded at least five years ago and you're at least 59 and a half. There are some other ones that come into play, but generally speaking for most people, those are the two conditions you want to meet. Again, your first Roth account at least five years old, funded at least five years ago, and you're at least five, uh, 59 and a half. Once you, those two things are met, all dollars, all money you take out of your Roth account will be tax and penalty free, including the earnings, not just the original contribution you made, but all, uh, all earnings thereon. So the Roth types of accounts. There's Roth IRAs, which is like a traditional IRA, but like I said, flip-flop the tax perspective. So that's a Roth IRA. You can also have within inside your employer plans. Your 401k, for example, may offer a Roth option. If you have a 403b, same thing, may offer a Roth option. Federal employees, you have a, a Roth option to your TSP. So those are uh, traditional tax-deferred accounts and Roth accounts. Now, as I mentioned, the, the pros of tax-deferred accounts is that it saves you some taxes now, which could be good, could be bad, who knows? Uh, there, there's lots of things that, that go into this analysis, but it saves you taxes now. Again, keep in mind, you are not getting rid of the tax. You are just simply deferring it. You're kicking it down the road to be realized and dealt with later. Ross, on the other hand, you know, the, the big pro is while you don't get any tax savings up front, uh, all of the growth, you know, all the eventual growth, the eventual distributions will be tax and penalty free. Again, assuming you, uh, you know, you, you, you hit those two qualifying conditions or some of the other ones which are outside of the scope of this episode, but I'll, I'll touch on those in another one. There's a, a common, it's kind of cheesy, but um, it's accurate. There's a common phrase to equate uh, whether you use or, or the, the concept of using a tax deferred account as opposed to a Roth account. And the phrase is, would you rather pay tax on the seed or the harvest? 
So think about, you know, buying a little bag of seeds or pouch of seeds, however seeds come, come shipped. Um, would you rather pay tax on that relatively small amount of, of what you pay to buy those seeds, put it in the ground, let it grow for five, 10, you know, however many years you get this, this big fat tree that, that spawns off a bunch of apples or, you know, whatever the harvest is and not have to pay tax on, on the harvesting of any of the, the fruit or the grains or, you know, whatever it is. Um, that, that would be a, a Roth, you know, you pay tax up front, hopefully on a relatively small amount, let it wildly grow over time. And all of the fruit, all the harvest from it is tax-free versus a tax deferred account is you save yourself the tax on a little bag of seeds. You get this big fat monster tree grown over 40 years. You start taking the, you know, the, the apples off the tree and all those apples are going to be taxable. Um, I, I, I like that analogy, but I also sort of don't, it, uh, it's, it's tough to say what exactly is better getting tax deferral uh, through a tax deferred account or paying tax now and, and having money tax free later. Uh, I'll, I'll discuss that, those themes and those concepts throughout, you know, this podcast, cause there's a lot of guessing and analysis and, uh, I, I don't know. It's, it's not very scientific to try to figure out, is it better to do tax deferral or to do Roth? Uh, there's lots of things that, that go into play, which you'll, you know, you'll, you'll find out about as, as this podcast progresses. So let's get in, into this uh, back door since this is a topic of today. First, I'll start specifically with regards to to IRAs. I won't yet talk about employer plans, but I will. Um, so as I mentioned, the front door, if you will, for uh, contributing to an IRA or specifically a Roth IRA is a, a few conditions need to be met. You need to have earnings. You need to have earned income, whether it's from wages, from, from uh, working for someone else, or if you're self-employed, but you need to have earnings. Or if you're married and file a joint return, and you don't have earnings, as long as your spouse has earnings, that could qualify you to make a, uh, you know, potentially make a, a Roth IRA contribution yourself. So first first step or first check is you need to have earnings. Second, your, your income, specifically your modified adjusted gross income, which I'll save for another episode, but um, your modified adjusted gross income in 2022 needs to be below $129,000 if you're single or $204,000 if you're married and file a joint return. And then above that, there's roughly ten dollars to $15,000 phase out, where if you're below those levels I mentioned, you can make the full contribution for the year, which is 6,000 bucks if you're uh, under 50 by the end of 2022, or $7,000 if you will be 50 or older at the end of 2022. So if you're below those income levels, again, 129K if you're single, 204K if you're married filing joint, you can make that full contribution. If you're above it, there's this phase out range of, of roughly 10 to 15,000 bucks where uh, you, the amount you can contribute is progressively phased out. And then after that 10 or $15,000 phase out period, you're completely out. You, you can't directly contribute at all through the, you know, the front door, if you will, to, uh, to a Roth IRA. So I, I know it's not good to talk about specific numbers in audio format. So uh, there will be a link in the show notes to a really good summarized table of all sorts of juicy uh, tax info, tax rates and brackets themselves, as well as these limits I just discussed, the Roth IRA um, income limits. And there's a whole host of other uh, other goodies in that. So see the show notes for that. Um, <clears throat> so th so that, that's the front door. Again, assuming you have earned income and assuming your modified adjusted gross income is below those levels I mentioned, you, you can directly contribute money to, to a Roth IRA. But what if you can't? What if your, um, your modified adjusted gross income is beyond those phase out levels such that you can't contribute at all? Well, then maybe you can contribute through the back door. And that's what we're talking about. So here's how it works. Again, you still have to have um, 
earned income from either wages from working for someone else or your own self-employment. If you do, you can make a contribution to a traditional IRA, not a Roth IRA. But here's the rub. There are also income limits that will phase you out from being able to take a deduction for your contribution to a traditional IRA. But regardless how high your income is, so long as you have earnings, anyone can make a non-deductible contribution to a traditional IRA. So let's back that up. The the, the normal, uh, typical benefit of a traditional IRA is that when you contribute to it, you can, you can deduct that contribution on your, your current year taxes. You have to have income below a certain level. Uh, that income cutoff is, is on that, that reference that, that you'll see in the show notes, but not too important for, for today's purposes. But the point is, uh, if your income is, is above that level, you cannot take a deduction for your contribution to a traditional IRA. But regardless how high your income is, you can, you can contribute and not get a tax deduction. That's called an after-tax contribution. So the first step in this backdoor Roth contribution process is you would contribute uh, money into a traditional IRA and not take a tax deduction for it. The amount you can contribute, as I mentioned before, for Roth IRAs, it, it's the same. You can contribute up to $6,000 in 2022 if you will be younger than 50 by the end of the year, or seven thousand dollars uh if you'll be 50 or older by the end of 2022 so that's step one non-deductible aka after-tax contribution to a traditional ira step two is then do a roth conversion and a conversion is ultimately just uh essentially a transfer of money from the tax deferred world so from your traditional ira for example transferred directly into your roth into the roth world into a roth ira um when you leave those different tax worlds, going from a tax-deferred wrapper, such as a traditional IRA, to a tax-free wrapper, such as a Roth, you have to pay tax, if any is due, you have to pay tax upon that transfer, upon that conversion. So the conversion is just simply taking money from your traditional IRA, putting it into your Roth. Um, anyone can do a Roth conversion regardless of your age, your income, or lack thereof. Even if you have no earnings, you can still do a Roth conversion. In this case, you you will have earnings because you will have uh, needed earnings to make the first step, which is the non-deductible contribution to the traditional IRA. But nonetheless, you know, ultimately, to do a conversion, you don't have to be of a certain age. You don't have to be of a, a certain minimum or maximum income, etc. Anyone can do it. So now, the after-tax money you, you contributed to the traditional IRA in step one is already after-tax. You, you, know, you did not get a deduction for it. Therefore, in step two, when you convert that money over to your Roth IRA, you won't have to pay tax on it at the time, under most cases, and I'll, I'll explain what I mean by most, because that money was already taxed. The IRS does not double tax you on that conversion. So the end result is if you put six or $7,000 into your traditional IRA, you do not get a deduction for it upon that contribution. And then you immediately convert it over to your Roth IRA, which is step two. The end result is you got six or $7,000 into your Roth IRA and you did not get a deduction for it. Now that functionally puts you in the same spot as if you were able to do a direct contribution to your Roth IRA in the first place through the, the front door, if you want to call it that. So that's the back door. Make sense? Just to recap, uh, two steps. First step is a non-deductible, aka after-tax contribution to a traditional IRA. 
and then uh, you convert that over to a Roth IRA. The end result is you got no tax break up front and you ended up with money inside a Roth IRA. Done. You got that money into the Roth IRA through the uh, quote unquote back door. Everyone good on that? So, so that's that's the process. That that's a backdoor Roth contribution. Now, I say it's a contribution, not a conversion, because a conversion is just one of two steps, right? That that two step package collectively is the backdoor Roth contribution. First step was a contribution to traditional IRA. Second step was convert that to a Roth IRA. The end result is you you in effect made a contribution to a Roth IRA, but through the backdoor. So that's it. That's the backdoor Roth IRA contribution. Now, the reason why I said it, 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 it's uh, hopefully uh, the, the conversion is not taxed most of the time is because of something called the pro rata rule. If you do this backdoor process right and, and it applies to you, you, you can get away with what I just discussed. The, the, you know, the conversion to the Roth will not be taxable because the money you put in to the traditional IRA wasn't, uh, you got no tax break for it. There's something called the pro rata rule. So in my previous example, uh, the assumption was you have no other money in any traditional IRAs prior to making your six or $7,000 non-deductible contribution, which you subsequently converted out. If that's the case, then, then yes, that conversion would not be taxable. Everything's great. But what if you do already have money in, in, in any of your IRAs, whether you got one IRA or 10, if you got money in any of them, this is going to come into play. And that money is pre-tax, specifically pre-tax. So money you, you did already get a deduction on at some point, or there's earnings. You know, any earnings in traditional IRAs are all uh, pre-tax money. So if you do have any pre-tax money in any IRAs and you try to do this backdoor process, the pro rata rule will come into play. Let me, let me it's easiest to understand this with a quick example. So assume you have $95,000 of money already sitting in a traditional IRA and assume that $95,000 is all pre-tax, meaning you got deductions for it when you made contributions and there's some earnings, there's some gains in there, you know, that, that's all pre-tax. So 95 grand of not yet taxed money inside your IRA. Next, you contribute, let's just say $5,000 uh, on a non-deductible basis. So you put in $5,000 of after-tax money because you're trying to do a $5,000 backdoor Roth IRA contribution. So now you have $100,000 of total money inside your traditional IRA. 95,000 of it's pre-tax, 5,000 of it is after-tax. You next convert $5,000 over to your Roth IRA as step two of the backdoor Roth IRA contribution process. Now you're thinking, okay, cool. I just contributed 5,000 bucks without a tax deduction, you know, it was after tax contribution. I turn around, you know, a day later, I convert $5,000 from my traditional IRA to my Roth. It's all going to be that $5,000 of non-deductible money I just put in. Therefore, it won't be taxed upon conversion because I already paid tax on it. No, that's not how it works. Unfortunately, the, the pro rata rule is going to snag you. What it says is, the pro rata rule makes you look at all money you have in all IRAs and prorate it. So in our example, you had 95,000 pre-tax, you just put in 5,000 after tax for a $100,000 total IRA now. Every dollar you convert over, it's going to assume 95% of it is a conversion of the pre-tax money that was in your account. 
only 5% of it will be treated as a conversion of after-tax money. So therefore, you convert this $5,000, you're going to have to pay tax on 95% of it. Only 5% of that conversion will be tax-free. Follow me? So the pro rata rule will, will really mess you up if you're trying to do this backdoor Roth contribution process and you have uh, pre-tax money in any IRAs. So definitely pay attention to that. Um, a few other things to keep in mind with, with this pro rata thing. Here, here's where it gets tricky. It, regardless when in the year you you do your conversion as your step two of this backdoor Roth contribution process, it's only the IRA balances you have as of December 31st of that year that matter for proration purposes. Um, and I'll, I'll touch on that in a bit, why that why that's important. <clears throat> um, and I noticed I, I've said multiple times, if you have any pre-tax money in any IRAs, pro rata is going to matter. So let's assume you have uh, three different IRAs, one SEP IRA, SEP IRA from a you know, self-employment gig you had a while ago. And assume you have two other just normal IRAs that were from uh, rollovers from, from monies you had in other jobs or whatever. So you have three IRAs um, and, and you're trying to do this backdoor process using just one of them. So you think you're playing by the rules because that one IRA has nothing in it. You make a after-tax contribution to it and then you do a Roth conversion from it over to your Roth IRA. You're like, good, there's no pro rata. Well, there is. Unfortunately, your, your other IRAs, that SEP IRA and the other uh, normal IRA, their balances, uh, to the extent there are any non-zero balances, will come into play for purposes of this pro rata rule. Again, it's only the balances on December 31st of that year that matter. And again, I'll, I'll explain why that December 31st is, is uh, something to keep in mind. One other comment about this uh, proration pro rata process if you're married and you have a spouse, your spouse's IRA balances do not get mixed in with yours for purposes of pro rata. You know, the I in IRA stands for individual retirement account. So regardless how much money your spouse does or doesn't have in his or her IRAs, it will not bungle, you know, yours. It won't, they won't get factored in uh, with yours for purposes of pro rata if you are doing this backdoor Roth process. So keep that in mind. Here's a nice little visual um, to to really hammer home this idea of pro rata. Think about going back to our example of uh, you already have ninety five thousand dollars of pre tax money in your IRA. You put in five thousand of after tax. You you visualize it as like a separate and distinct five thousand bucks of after tax money, just sort of sitting off to the side or sitting on top of your ninety five thousand of of pre tax. It doesn't work like that. As soon as you put the after-tax money in, it, it all blends. Think about coffee. Think about you have a, a cup of black coffee. That black coffee represents an IRA that's all pre-tax money currently. You then do a, a small little uh, after-tax contribution, you know, 5000 bucks into it. And think of the, the after-tax contribution as cream. You know, white cream, uh, you have a, a cup of black coffee. What happens? When you pour that cream into the black coffee... They don't stay separate and distinct, right? They, they mix together into this swirly, you know, inextricably sort of blended mocha-ish color. That's what happens when you put after-tax money into uh, an IRA that already has pre-tax money. The two blend such that now, once blended, once the after-tax is in there uh, and you have this mocha-ish 
cup of coffee, if you take a sip, you know, if you, if you take a spoon out, if, if you pour some out, you can't pour out just the black coffee or just the cream at this point. Everything you pour out will be a prorated mix of coffee and cream. That's the same way with IRAs. Every dollar that now comes out of your IRA, whether you take a distribution or you convert it, it's going to be a prorated mix of pre-tax money and after-tax money. So, so that, that's my favorite visual uh, for, for how to think about this, this pro-rata thing. Now, <clears throat> there are actually ways to, to uh, use a non-IRA employer retirement plan to sift out um, the cream from the coffee. So how this would work is if you have, because uh, keep in mind, pro rata is just across IRAs, specifically yours, not your spouse's. It'll be just uh, across yours. Whether it's a traditional IRA, a SEP IRA, you know, SEP IRA, or a simple IRA, which is another type of small employer plan, pro rata only looks at your IRAs. And again, it only looks at those balances as of December 31st of the year in which you do the conversion. So what you can do is if you have access to an employer retirement plan that's not an IRA. So for example, if you have a 401k, a 403b, federal thrift savings plan, and those plans allow you to roll in money from IRAs, what you can do is you can roll in your pre-tax money from your IRA or IRAs into your employer retirement plan. Now, the way this works is by law, employer retirement plans are not allowed to take in after-tax money. They can only take in pre-tax money. So in our example, you have 95,000 bucks in an IRA, that's all pre-tax. Uh, you just added $5,000 of after-tax money. You can do a $95,000 rollover from your IRA into your 401k, 403b, whatever, assuming your employer plan uh, allows you, first assuming you have an employer plan, and assuming they allow you to roll in outside IRA money, you can roll in $95,000. Now, by law, that 95 has to be only the pre-tax money because employer plans cannot take in after-tax money. So you roll in 95 grand, you're now left with an IRA that only has 5,000 bucks in it. You just sifted out. You just strained out the cream from the coffee. That $5,000 now is just after-tax money because you just moved the 95 of pre-tax into your employer plan. So now... Now you do your $5,000 Roth conversion. None of that will be taxable because all 5,000 will, will have already been taxed since it was a, a you know, non-deductible contribution in the first place. So that's that. As long as you do that rollover from your IRA to your, uh, your employer plan by December 31st, because again, pro rata only looks at IRA balances on December 31st. So long as you, you empty out your IRA by December 31st, you're good. This will work. So that's that. That's uh, cream and coffee. That's how you can separate it. Now, quick comment about the the mega backdoor Roth contribution. Functionally uh, similar to the to the steps we discussed. You know, first step is making a non-deductible contribution. Second step is a Roth conversion. But specifically, this involves an employer plan like a four hundred one k, for example. It's called mega simply because the amount of after tax contributions you could potentially make to an employer plan like a 401k is larger. It's simply larger than what you can contribute to an IRA. Recall I said the for 2022, the maximum amount of contributions you can make to an IRA are either 6,000 bucks if you're under 50 or 7,000 bucks if you're 50 or older. With a 401k, for example, uh, for 2022, 
you could potentially contribute up to like six, I think it's $61,000 maybe, uh, plus extra if you're, if you're 50 or older, plus another 6,500 more if you're 50 or older. So you could potentially make, you know, $60,000 of after-tax contributions to your 401k. And if your employer has a Roth option within the 401k, and if it allows you to do what's called in-plan conversions, they may be able to, uh, or they may allow you to take after-tax contributions you just made and flip them over, you know, c- convert them over to the to the Roth side of the plan. And just like that, same process. You can make a large after-tax contribution to the traditional side of your 401k, and then uh, hopefully as soon as possible, you know, ideally immediately, convert that over to the Roth portion of your 401k, and done. You just got money into the Roth, uh, potentially to the tune of sixty-ish thousand dollars in a year. So, so that's the mega backdoor Roth contribution process. It is specific to employer plans like four hundred one ks, four hundred three bs, and again, it assumes your employer allows it. Uh, you know, first it assumes they have a Roth option, and it assumes they allow you to do um, in-plan conversions. Now, regardless how much you have in your uh, traditional IRAs. Pro rata, uh, where am I going with this? If you do this back, this mega backdoor process through your employer plan, you don't have to worry about what you have in your traditional IRAs because those IRA balances won't mix and make you prorate your 401k, just like balances you have in your 401k won't cross over and mix and be added to your IRA balances if you're trying to do an IRA uh, backdoor Roth process. So that's the mega. Um, just quick comments about about legislation, as I mentioned before. So, the it's clearly on the chopping block to get rid of this backdoor Roth process, and, and we shouldn't be surprised. I mean, frankly, anything that's called backdoor sort of implies that hey, yeah, well, you know, we're doing something that wasn't really uh, intended to be done. So we shouldn't be shocked that um, the time has come that that you know legislators want to try to take this away. So, what specifically were they targeting? They're not or at least as of the the last iteration of the Build Back Better bill in late 2021, they were not uh, restricting people from being able to make after-tax contributions, nor were they restricting the ability for people to do conversions. Well, I take that back. There were some restrictions that they were considering based on income. If you're over a certain income level, then, then you can't convert at all. But what they're really getting at is simply nobody, regardless of age or income or whatever, would be able to do any conversions of after-tax money. So you weren't necessarily prevented from doing um, step one in this process. You know, you weren't necessarily going to be prevented from making after-tax contributions. You were going to be prevented from doing step two. You wouldn't be allowed to convert after-tax monies. So that would, in effect, kill the backdoor process by killing, you know, by uh, killing the second step. It, it, it now makes the backdoor process or would make the backdoor process defunct. But as I mentioned, that legislation did not pass. So who knows if and when their legislation gets resurrected and if it does, how they may change the proposals about this, this uh, trying to kill the backdoor process. And if they do kill the ability to convert after-tax monies, thereby killing the backdoor uh, Roth process, it's not clear if they'll make it retroactive or if they'll make it effective some point in the future, like January 1st, 2023, for example or if they'll make it effective as of the date they propose it or the date the bill uh, gets signed into law, if it does get signed into law. This is just my guess, uh, but I I don't think they'd make it retroactive. It would just be such a massive headache and burden for the custodians to have to go back and unwind 
uh, potentially, I don't know how many people do this stuff in a given year, but you know, thousands potentially of, uh, of, of these backdoor convert backdoor contribution processes. So it's my guess that if, and when this does ultimately die, cause, cause legislation nixes it, I don't think they'll make it retroactive, which answers the question. Is it safe to do backdoor Roth contributions as of now? This is not specific advice. This is just my opinion. But I, I feel it's okay. I don't feel there's a risk of it getting undone retroactively. Worst case, if there is, th- then yeah, then at the time, you and your custodian, where you have your IRA, Roth IRA, will simply have to go back and undo this, which probably won't be a pleasant process. But again, I, I think the risk of it being retroactive is fairly low, though that is just my opinion. So that, that's the backdoor Roths. Just to recap, it could be a way if your income is high and you're uh, phased out from being able to contribute to a Roth IRA directly through the front door, the backdoor Roth IRA contribution process uh, could make sense for you. Keep in mind, you need a job of some sort, whether it's uh, being employed elsewhere or being self-employed because you have to have earned income to make contributions to a traditional IRA or Roth IRA in the first place. The mega backdoor process is loosely similar to the same process for using IRAs, but it involves using an employer plan, such as a 401k, 403b. It's called mega simply because there are larger contribution limits with regards to how much after-tax money you can put in. The big big flashing warning sign here is the pro rata rule. If you are going to do a backdoor Roth IRA contribution, be aware of whether you have any pre-tax money already in any IRAs. And if you do, the balance of those accounts on December 31st of the year you do the conversion uh, will be factored in for purposes of prorating how much of your conversion is taxable versus not taxable. And final comment, uh, just pay attention to legislation. This is always a moving target. Even when there is some new legislation put forth and the media and politicians are all hot and heavy about it and discussing it and the financial planning industry is all over it and making comments and predictions and whatever, until a bill is signed into law, all this stuff is, is just guesswork, especially now with Congress so tightly split. Um, it's going to take a lot to, to make any major changes to things. So who knows? I, 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 I don't think the chance of this getting killed anytime soon or high, but, but who knows? So pay attention, read the news. Uh, if and when this is signed into law, I guarantee you'll know about it because every financial planning and uh, meaningful financial outlet will be all over this and talking about the death of the backdoor Roth and things like that. So that's it. Hope you enjoyed this about the backdoor Roth contribution process. If you like this podcast, please definitely subscribe and uh, please also leave leave a glowing review. It'll help other folks better find this podcast in whatever uh, search platforms they use. And if you like this topic and and topics you've heard in this podcast, you'll definitely be into my Facebook group, Taxes and Retirement, YouTube channel, Retirement Planning Demystified, and my monthly newsletter, Retirement Planning Insights. There are links to, to all three things in the show notes. That's that. Thank you very much for listening. I'll see you next time. The information discussed in this podcast is only general explanations and education. It is not specific tax, legal, or investment advice. Before considering acting on anything you heard here, first consult with your tax, legal, or investment advisor. Thank you.